Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sam. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. Stay tuned, because it's on now. The Tom Sumner Program. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, on behalf Team of Detroit, hey, we want to present these buffs to our governor, hey. Big Gretch. Throw those buffs on her face, because that's Big Gretch. We ain't even about the stress. We got Big Gretch. Woo. You can find her in the press under Big Gretch. Fresh in a new dress. Yeah, that's Big Gretch. Throw those buffs on her face, because that's Big Gretch. We ain't even about the stress. We got Big Gretch. At all. You can find her in the press. Under Big Gretch. Fresh in a new dress. Yeah, that's Big Gretch. Come on. Big Gretch and this bitch playing no roles. At Excuse all. all the cussing. That's just how I get my flow on. For real. If you want to leave the state, you can stay gone. But right now, Big Gretch said stay home. All that protesting was irrelevant. irrelevant. Big Gretch ain't trying to hear y'all or the president. How we gonna take orders from a non-resident? Talking about it safe, but he ain't coming with the evidence. Uh-oh. Big Gretz got him shook now. When it's all over, you invited to the cookout. When it's all over, you deserve to get took out. Big Gretz with the bucks on on the lookout. Uh, and she doing it for Michigan, so when she hit the stand, everybody should be listening. She on that pair of bucks with the ice in them glistening. On behalf of the whole Detroit mission. Throw them bucks on her face, cause that's Big Gretz. We ain't even about the stress. We got Big Gretz. At all. You can find her in the press. Under Big Gretz. Fresh in a new dress. Yeah, that's Big Gretz. Throw the bust on her face. Cause that's Big Gretz. We ain't even about the stress. We got Big Gretz. At all. You can find her in the press. Under Big Gretz. Fresh in a new dress. Yeah, that's Big Gretz. Ladies and gentlemen, in Philip Rapp's creation, The Bickersons. What's the matter? All right, all right. Blanche, Blanche. I'm putting a ribbon in my hair. Where are you going? I'm not going anywhere. I just thought I'd like to look nice this morning. Why? I knew you'd forget. You don't even know what day this is. I do, too. It's rent day. It is not. Today happens to be our wedding anniversary. Well, I knew it was a sad occasion of some kind. What kind of a remark is that? That's supposed to be funny. No, it isn't supposed to be funny, Blanche. I'm just groggy, that's all. I'm sorry. I knew you'd forget. I didn't forget it. So why didn't you say something? Blanche, I just opened my eyes. You forgot it. I tell you, I didn't forget it. But even if I did, you'd remind me of it. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Is that all? No plans? We've been married eight years. Don't you want to do something? 
No, it's too late to do anything. It's sad about you. How you suffer. I didn't get such a bargain, you know. Okay, okay. There's better fish in the ocean than the one I caught. There's better bait, too. I'm serious. Okay, I'm sorry. You hack away at me in the morning and I'm so exhausted, I don't know what I'm saying. You wouldn't be so exhausted if you went to bed at a reasonable hour. I had to work overtime. Pour me some coffee. Get paid? I'll get paid. What time did you get home? 12.30. If you got home at 12.30, why were you so long getting into bed? I know for a fact you didn't come to bed until almost 2. I was in the kitchen putting the stuff away. What stuff? What's the matter, Blanche? You told me to bring stuff home for the party tonight. You invited a lot of your crumb friends and you told me to bring stuff, so I brought stuff. Did you bring the potatoes for the potatoes? salad? I brought potatoes. Did you pair them? I paired them. All of them? All except one. He had a big knob on top and I couldn't find a mate for him. I meant... I know what you meant, Blanche. I even boiled them last night. Where are my pants? Who stole my pants? Nobody stole your pants. I just looked in the wastebasket and they're not there. My shoes are missing from the sink. Don't be silly, John. Your pants are on a hanger in the closet and your shoes are in the shoe rack. How'd they get there? I put them there. Well, I wish you'd quit throwing my things around like that. (laughs) Gotta get them or I'll be late. You won't be late. Here are your pants. Thanks. Blanche, these aren't my pants. They're not? Then whose pants are they? That's a good question, only I should be asking. Don't be so snobby. They were baggy, so I pressed them. Baggy? Took me an hour to find the right crease. Be careful you don't wrinkle them now. What's the difference? I like my pants to look lived in. You're dragging the tops on the floor. Hold your trouser leg with your left hand, then step in with your right foot. Blanche, I've been putting on my own pants for over 40 years, and I don't need you to be the foreman of it. Hand me my Which one? It doesn't matter. I want to use it for a belt. My suspenders are broken. Why don't you wear your belt? I'm using it to keep the soles from falling off my shoes. John Fitterson, you know you're just... I know it. I know I haven't got a belt. Where's my shirt? Where did you hide my shirt? I didn't hide it anywhere. Well, where is it? I draped it around the canary's cage so he could sleep. Is my shirt the only rag you could find to cover the bird's cage with? Hasn't hurt anything, has it? No, but I don't like the way that bird pokes into my pockets. Every time I take a cigarette out, I'm smoking bird seed. Why do you have to cover the cage anyway? The canary is sensitive to light. Well, get him a pair of sunglasses. Leave my shirt alone. No bird's going to sleep later than I do. Ah, shut up. John, why must you be so mean on our anniversary? Blanche, I'm not mean. I'm worried. Business is bad. My job is hanging by a thread. You never should have quit your other job. You made me quit. You said it wasn't dignified selling bowling balls. You were embarrassed to answer when people asked you what your husband sold. Well, it sounded like it was trying to start a fight. That's no problem for you. I gotta go. Here, and don't forget your samples. I won't forget. This darn vacuum cleaner gets heavier every day. Straighten this hose around my neck, will you, Blanche? There, there. Now, got everything? I think so. No, wait a minute. You got any money? Well, there's 50 cents in the sugar bowl. 50 cents? You can bring me the change when you come home. Now listen, Blanche, something's got to be done about this. I can't go down to work like a pauper every day. A man's got to have a couple dollars in his pocket. Now don't yell at me. I don't mind going with torn clothes and holes in my socks, but I'm not going to suffer through those lunches anymore. What's the matter with your lunches? You ought to know. You pack them for me. I'm just getting sick of carrying my lunch to work in a paper 
sack. Why can't I go to the restaurant like the other fellas? John, what are you talking about? I haven't fixed your lunch for two years. Oh, Blanche, every morning of my life I find my lunch wrapped in brown paper on the side of the sink. John, that's the garbage. Goodbye, Blanche. Goodbye, dear. Happy anniversary. This is the Tom Sumner Program. We're going to talk about uh, cancer this hour with a uh, Bloomberg Distinguished Professor of Cancer Biology and the Chair of the Department of Biochemistry and Molecular Biology at the John Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. Um, she uh, has a new book, and we're going to talk about the, uh, the book called simply, Is Cancer Inevitable? Uh, Her name is uh, Ashani Wiraratna, and she joins me by phone. Ashani, good morning, and welcome to the show. Good morning, and thank you so much for having me. Um, This question, is cancer inevitable? Um, I was was reading about this a little bit, and it, it says that one in two people can expect to be diagnosed with some form of cancer. Is that... Is that right, or is it more or less common than that? No, that's exactly right. Um, One in two people can expect to receive a cancer diagnosis in their lifetime. That's a lot. It's a lot. (laughs) Um, But but let me ask this. Is is, Is that number on the rise? And if so, is it because of environmental concerns, or... Are we able to diagnose cancers better? So it's a mixture of both of those things. So, you know, each cancer is so different. And so there are definitely some cancers that are on the rise, like melanoma, which is one of the cancers I study, which is an aggressive form of skin cancer. Um, But there are other cancers that are actually on the decline. Um, And you're absolutely right. We're better at diagnosing these cancers than we ever were before. 
I know I um, I went through a, a, a surgery for lung cancer a couple of years ago. And it was, or maybe it was just a year ago. In, in any event, it was, um, I was told that we had discovered it very, very early. And that yeah. a, a, procedure would pretty much promise to get rid of it and the outcomes were all good i i have a a pulmonologist who doesn't like to say cancer free until it's been five years (laughs) but (laughs) but the surgeon seemed pretty proud of himself Uh, he took out uh, uh, the upper lobe of my left lung and uh, and checked some lymph nodes as well to make sure there was no spread and he said we got it all and i think that's becoming oh it is great it's it's wonderful and i you know of course applaud the people that that made that possible on all levels um but that's becoming more and more the case as we understand cancers better and we get better at diagnosing it we're catching it sooner now aren't we we definitely are, and we also have therapies that are just amazing. Um, you know, so the five-year survival rate for something like breast cancer is 90%, um, wow. and for uh, melanoma is 92%. So, you know, we're really, and those are two cancers in which not only do we have better early diagnosis, we also have better therapies than we ever used to have. I have to ask you just because... I've known uh, a, a couple, two or three people who died of pancreatic cancer. And when they were diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, it was pretty much understood that that was a death sentence. Um, has that changed at all, or is that still one of the ones that's maybe difficult to catch early enough to, to treat well? Sadly, uh, pancreatic cancer has a five-year survival rate of only 9%. Um, so it really is one of the most intractable cancers uh, that we have today. And we, you know, there's a lot of effort to really trying to understand pancreatic cancer. Is is there um, something about it um, growing too much before it starts showing signs to to treat what what is it that makes that particular one so insidious compared to others so i think it's two um different things one is the fact that it's one of the cancers that spreads very very rapidly okay uh to distant organs um so you know other cancers may take a little time to spread a couple of years pancreatic cancer metastasizes very quickly to the lungs and the liver um, and the cavities around the pancreas Um, You know, we don't fully understand why it is that pancreatic cancer is so intractable. It tends not to respond to some of these amazing new immunotherapies that we have. Um, You know, there are are some clear targets, but again, the cancer doesn't really seem to respond very well to that. And as you mentioned, you know, the symptoms are not really there until the, the tumor is in very advanced stages. And at, you know, things like your loss of appetite or, you know, um, a little bit of abdominal pain, un- unintentional weight loss, those are all things that 
are happening at the later stages of the tumor. And even then, those are not things that everyone would immediately think, oh, I have cancer, you know. Depression is a symptom of pancreatic cancer as well, for example. More with biologist Ashani Wiraratna. Straight ahead. Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. you ever feel like you need an attitude adjustment? Are you wishing there was a magic pill or a new app for your mobile device? Why don't you try live local music? Music can make you dance, bring back fond memories, inspire you to be more creative, whether you attend a child's school concert or recital, go to a local symphony concert, visit local bars and restaurants that feature dance music, sing-along piano, or jazz and blues. Music could be just what you're looking for. Supporting live local music is more than a way to support your local artists and economy. It's a great way to improve your own quality of life. Support live local music. This message is brought to you from the Tom What are you doing? Oh, you know, just um, attorney general stuff. Listen, I have a legal question. What is it, Mom? I just got a call from the water company. Apparently, your father has not been paying the bill. I guess they're going to turn the water off because we owe more than $1,000 now. Can you believe it? Actually, I can't. So, listen. We just have to send them $200 in Edible Arrangements gift cards, and that will keep the water on. Now, here's the legal question. What is the website for Edible Arrangements? Mom, it's an imposter scam. Imposter scam? Is that .com or .edu? No, the call was a scam. Scammers will pretend to be a government agency or a utility company or someone else you might do business with. A big red flag is if they tell you that you can pay them using gift cards. So when in doubt, ask for the information to be sent to you in writing. And never give a caller or someone you don't know your personal information or your money. If you do suspect an imposter scam, report it to my office at mi 
gov slash agcomplaints. Okay, all right. And Dina, where do I file a complaint that my daughter hasn't visited in over a month? Does your office have a website for that? Okay, Mom, I'm hanging up now. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. More with biologist Ashani Wiraratna straight ahead. Well, I was I was just curious about that one because that one just seems to be um, just well, just it has just such a high fatality rate that it's um, yeah that it's one that I'm curious about. But let's get back to the. The original question of your book, which is, is cancer inevitable? Um, that makes me wonder, Is are we always going to find cancer in one out of two people? Um, or are there things that people can be doing and maybe are starting to do that might curb that back? So I think that, you know, the answer to the question, is cancer inevitable, is sadly yes. Uh, we all have cells in our body that have received damage and are have the potential to be a cancer cell. But I think um, the question we should really be asking ourselves is, is death from cancer inevitable? And I think the answer to that question is uh, happily no. Um, we have so many new therapies we're seeing. You know, we had patients who are melanoma patients who would come into the clinic, stage four cancers, 10 years ago, and there was very little we could do for them. And now um, we have a subset of melanoma patients who in 25 to 30% of them, you know, we're whispering the word cure because they respond so beautifully to some of the new therapies we have available to them. And um, so I think that while, you know, the presence of cancer cells is something we cannot uh, necessarily eradicate or overcome, we can eradicate or overcome the disease, or at least, I should say, maintain, keep the disease at bay for a long time, in a way, the way we treat diabetes or high blood pressure. When, how does cancer present itself? Is it always in, in, the, in the fashion of a tumor? Um, I... At the end of the day, yes, um, especially, so we have what we call solid tumors and liquid tumors, which sounds kind of gross, but obviously blood cancer. <laughs> you know, <gross>. Ashani, <laughs> it kind of does sound a little gross. <laughs> um, but it's, you know, cancers of the blood don't present as a classical tumor. I think when anyone thinks of a tumor, they think of a lump or a, yeah. or a solid growth. Yeah, exactly. Um, but obviously we have cancers of the blood that, you know, they are uh, rapidly growing cells in the blood that don't present as a lump necessarily. Well, with the with the tumors and, and or, or lumps, um, those are, are pretty easily discovered through various forms of examination, including uh, x-rays and, and uh, MRIs, even, even self-examinations, like in the case of uh, uh, some variations of breast cancer. Um, right. How would you find blood cancer? 
So often it happens, um, you know, you find these cancers because you have symptoms. So, for example, things that you can't actually palpate, like an ovarian tumor or a pancreatic tumor or a blood tumor, um, you know, it's the symptoms that drive you to the doctor to get tested and detected. So, for example, something like a leukemia, you might be so exhausted that you can't even climb a set of stairs, which is, you know, something that's unusual for you. And so you go to the doctor, and the first thing they're going to do is draw blood and look at your blood cells and make sure there's no cancer there. And notice I said blood cancer and not liquid cancer. <laughs> um, what was it that made you want to write this book? Is there information that you wanted to get out that maybe isn't getting out enough? Yeah, you know, I think at, at the time that um, I wrote the book along with uh, Tim Wendell, who was um, really instrumental in the writing of this book as well, um, it felt like such a dark time of, you know, it was in the middle of the pandemic, at the beginning of the pandemic. It was uh, just a very dark and depressing time. And, you know, it just I just wanted to get the message out there that, um you know, although cancer might be inevitable, there's still hope. You know, we are seeing therapies that are, the fact that there's a 90% chance of surviving breast cancer or melanoma for five years is so huge, and it's so different from what those survival rates were 15 or 20 years ago. And I kind of wanted to get the message out that, you know, um, the science is so important. It was also a time during the pandemic where science was being questioned all the time, right? And there was so much misinformation. And, you know, and I do come from um, a South Asian family, and often my family will reach out to me and say, oh, I heard that this fruit cures cancer. Should I eat it? And I'm like, you know, go ahead and eat the fruit, but it's not going to affect your cancer. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's been... What about, uh, what about some of those... Um you know, uh, almost conspiracy theories about uh, CBD and its ability to um, shrink and or um, kill tumors. So, you know, I'm not sure all of it is conspiracy theories. There are some, you know, lines of published research that you know, show that something... Well, that's, that's what I'm asking, medicine. because it it, mm-hmm. it always sounds like a conspiracy theory right. um, whenever <laughs> something like that is, is trending. And, yeah. And I, think... I, I, I was just curious to get a, a, an expert opinion on how that's going, if there really is something therapeutic about those substances. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think the I think the advice I would have is to really consider the source. So there are published lines of research that show that there are cannabinoid receptors on cancer cells that we can target, um, for example. And, you know, again, nothing that is really necessarily in the clinic as far as I know, but again, it's not my line of research, so I'm not 100% sure of that. But um, I think something that really the pandemic has brought home to me is for people to not buy into mis- scientific misinformation, but to really consider the sources, consider peer-reviewed data when looking at these different things. And in a way, that's really part of what motivated to me to write that book. You know, I'm, 
that and the fact that after 30 years of researching cancer, I look back and think, oh, my God, we've come so far, which sometimes you don't see when you're in the middle of the work. Um, but to be able to look back and see the differences in the survival rates of patients 30 years ago versus today is amazing. Yeah, you have to look at where you are on the line. That's um, <laughs> that's right. That's that's a great point, and and thank you, Ashani. Um, but let's let's get back to this uh, question of um, credibility, and and it's really difficult for a lot of people who don't understand um, all of the the details and the language and the terminology um, involved with disease and treatments and and procedures and so on, and it's it's hard for them not to get suckered by something that fits on a bumper sticker. Right. (laughs) It's so true. And, you know, we have all of the social media posts that also feed into this and the YouTube videos. And, you know, it is hard because there's so much out there and um, so much information and misinformation that it's really hard for people to tease through all of this. And what I would say is maybe use the reputable sites to check your information. Go to the Johns Hopkins School of Public Health website. That's my personal favorite. I'm a little biased. <laughs> um, but the <laughs> Mayo I wonder Clinic why that is, Ashani. <laughs> I wonder why. The Mayo Clinic, you know, University of Pennsylvania, all of them have great websites where you can really go and um, look at some of these data and really consider, you know, options and things. And reach out to people that you trust who would have a background in these things. That's um, trust is is so tough for people, and we're seeing you know a lack of trust in general about all kinds of authorities. I mean, it's um, from elected officials to law enforcement to agency heads and regulators to doctors and scientists. Uh, you know, people are doubting Fauci. I don't think Fauci ever said anything that couldn't be backed up. Yeah, it's it's so true, and it's such a shame. Um, and, you know, I think it's it's so easy to get sucked into all of that doubt and mistrust, right? But if you look at what has happened over the past two years, where so many scientists came together to understand COVID and find a vaccine and how quickly and rapidly that happened, which in and of itself, of course, creates some level of mistrust among some people. But the, the truth is that, you know, that has been such a remarkable achievement, right, where all these people came together, they shared data, they shared reagents, and were able to understand um, this disease as much as they have. There's still a lot more to understand and create a vaccine. And, you know, what I'm hopeful for is that Things like President Biden's Moonshot Initiative, for example, will do that for diseases like cancer. Yeah, I I, um, have talked to a number of different people who have um, different opinions about whether Operation Warp Speed was really warp speed or not, because um, coronaviruses have been studied for a while, so there was already Correct. some work that had been done. And it, 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 the idea that it all of a sudden, within the two-year time period, I mean, just in the time since March of 2020, 
that all of this has come about is a little misleading uh, and a little bit of grandstanding by some of the officials, I think. Sure, and I, I completely agree with that, especially because, you know, the sort of the science behind the mRNA vaccine has been in development for decades, right? Right. Um, however, I do think that being able to marshal the resources to get things to FDA approval as quickly, you know, that, that so rarely happens in at least our field, in the cancer research field. It was amazing to see. Um, but I fully agree. Like, there's no way that could have been. A little <laughs> envious, no were you there? A little envious. I have a little, little uh, FDA envy there. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I, I just, I think I think you're absolutely right. Like, you know, there's no way that could have happened without decades of research before that. Well, and, and that's one of the things that people, I think they need to know, even if it seems like it's over-explaining, because, um, you know, the, the speed with which it, it came together is one of the things that caused people to doubt the credibility and, and um, veracity of the... Uh, discoveries and and, uh, developed vaccines. Right. No, you're absolutely right. And I think the messaging around all of that, um, because of things like warp speed, and, you know, I think the messaging around all of that did help to create that sort of uncertainty, unfortunately. Well, the Um, first thing you think about reality. Yeah, when somebody started saying warp speed, the next thing you you start reading uh, Facebook posts about... uh, you know, cutting corners. Yes, of course. Yeah. And, you know, the reality is it was an amazing feat, right? Um, but as as you say, corners were not cut. Um, red tape was cut to some extent, but not corners. <laughs> so I'm all for cutting. I'm all for cutting red tape. You and me both. <laughs> <laughs> what is the um, the newest... What are, rather, the newest breakthroughs in addressing cancers? So I think, you know, uh, we all talk about immunotherapies. And, you know, for your listeners who may not know what that means, it's basically the way researchers have taken our own immune systems and trained them to attack our cancers. Because cancers are very clever. They come from the normal, they come from the normal cells in your body initially, and so your body doesn't really recognize them as foreign invaders, even though they've changed and mutated. Um, and so some of the newest therapies are really training and harnessing our own immune system to eradicate these cells. And I think that has just been, again, based, though, on 25 to 30 to 50 years of research about these cells, <laughs> yeah. right? Uh, yeah, Bef- cells. before that eureka moment. That's um, right, Exactly or just before being able to get them into the clinic efficiently. What um, actually is at the root of, of cancers? I, I, I understand about as much as their damaged cells, but how are they, how are they damaged? Is it, is it a disease? Is it a condition? Is it caused by environmental factors? I, I know it's caused by some environmental factors, or at least environmental factors contribute to cancers and, and the spread of cancers, um, and that there are some genetic predispositions. But 
what is actually happening at the cellular level? The cell becomes so, damaged how? So it is, um, it is such a fast, it's what I've spent my life looking into and what many of us have. Uh, basically what you have is a normal cell, right? And as we develop as embryos and grow, our cells have different programs that tell them what to do. Go over here and be a cell in the ear. Go over here and be a foot cell, you know, whatever it is. Right, right. Um, and what happens in a cancer cell is sometimes those programs, and at, at some point when you're an adult, your cells stop growing uh, and dividing for the most part. You know, in our, things like our gut or our lung or our liver, there are cells that are continuously regenerating because they receive a lot of damage and they slough off and they have to be regenerated. But for the most part, you know, your ears don't keep growing, right? When you're an adult, they grow to a certain point and that's it. Um, and so what happens in a cancer cell is that some of those programs get reactivated. And they get reactivated because they've received an errant message that tells them to become reactivated and tells that cell to grow and become a cancer cell. Or um, another way a cell becomes a cancer cell is that, you know, the programs that tell it to die when it's damaged stop working because cells have all of these mechanisms in place that allows them to altruistically um, die if they are not beneficial to their environment, right? So it's a process we call apoptosis, um, and a lot of cells lose molecules that drive that uh, propensity to to die if they're too damaged. So you can think of a cancer cell um, that's growing like a car that's moving forward, where you either can make the car go forward by taking your foot off the brake or by pressing on the gas, one or the other. And um, so that's what's happening in a cancer cell. The programs are going wrong, and instead of uh, allowing themselves to be eradicated when things are not going well, uh, they continue to grow and end up you know, damaging the host. A lot of our work has been looking at what is happening in the normal cells around those tumor cells, and what are the messages that change with age that allow those tumor cells to grow and behave badly and spread all over the body. What should um, people do in terms of screenings to make sure that they're able to catch cancers while they're, they're early enough to really be dealt with effectively through treatments and surgery? Uh, so absolutely, things like colonoscopies, mammograms. Um, I advocate that everyone should go to their dermatologist at least once a year and always have their partners or friends or someone help them do a skin check, um, you know, more frequently than that. Uh, my husband is French-Canadian, and he has a lot of nevi, so little moles all over his body, and I always check him, and if I don't like anything, I send him to the dermatologist, and then he comes home complaining because I call the dermatologist and tell them what to take off. <laughs> and he's like, I look like Swiss cheese. Stop calling them. <laughs> so, um, but, yeah, so, um, you know, really just have being vigilant, checking your skin, checking, you know, having prostatectomies if you're a male, uh, prostate, prostate exams, I'm sorry, if you're a male, um, colonoscopies, mammograms, et cetera. Screening is really key to catching a disease early, and if you catch it early, then your chances for survival are much higher.
Well, I thought liquid cancer was gross. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but all kidding aside, I always like to have guests share with listeners, and we touched on this a little earlier, Ashani, um, but let listeners know where they can get good information and where they can find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future. Oh, thank you. Um, so uh, the Johns Hopkins School of Public Health has a great website and an Instagram um, that really provides a lot of great information about multiple different topics. So I highly recommend you go there. The Mayo Clinic is another great source um, for information on cancer. Um, as for my website, um, it's on the School of Public Health website as well. And you can also follow me on Twitter at Ashani TW on Twitter. Now, your uh, your co-author, Tim Wendell, mm-hmm has yes. written a bunch of books. He um, has, including a great one called Cancer Crossings. They're all great, but Cancer Crossings I highly recommend. Um, are there more books on the way from Ashani Wiraratna? <laughs> oh, no, I don't think I'll do this again for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm always curious yeah. sometimes. And, and kudos to you for uh, taking advantage of... Uh, the the downtime during the quarantine to actually produce something. I've I've talked to some very successful writers who were a little embarrassed that they didn't spend the time that they were in quarantine <laughs> writing <laughs> and, and and admitting <laughs> that they just stood there like deers in the headlights. I have to tell you that the quarantine, because you know I'm in the leadership at the School of Public Health, was probably the busiest time I've ever had. So <laughs> there was no downtime. This was done. Um, you know, I, that's why I say I don't think I'll be writing a book for a very long time, <laughs> because this was on top of an immense workload. <laughs> I wish I'd had downtime during the quarantine. <laughs> it was very different for us who are who are at the forefront here. <laughs> well, of course, and. Um you know, most of the writers that I talk to are writing full time, and mm-hmm. um, that's right. But but a lot of times I talk to people that that sort of get the bug, <laughs> and by time <laughs> by time the the lengthy uh, publishing process is over on the one book, they're already looking at a first draft of of the next book. So I, so I always like to I always like to ask if there's uh, something in the works there. But uh, Ashani, thank you so much for spending this time with me and the listeners. And, and uh, by all means, keep up the good work. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you for having me on. All right, take care. You too. Bye bye. Bye. That was Professor of Cancer Biology and the Chair of the Department of Biochemistry and Molecular Biology at the John Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health and co-author of the book Is Cancer Inevitable, Ashani Wiraratna, Ph.D. And uh, with that, we'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program.com. 
TheTomSumnerProgram.com TheTomSumnerProgram.com From the Tom And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck up. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. Do you have feelings of inadequacy? Do you suffer from shyness? Do you sometimes wish you were more assertive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, ask your doctor or pharmacist about tequila. Tequila Tequila is the safe, natural way to feel better and more confident about yourself and your actions. Tequila can help ease you out of your shyness and let you tell the world that you're ready and willing to do just about anything. You'll notice the benefits of tequila almost immediately. And with a regimen of regular doses, you can overcome any obstacle that prevent you from living the life you want to live. Shyness and awkwardness will be a thing of the past, and you'll discover many talents you never knew you had. Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila may not be right for everyone. Women who are pregnant or nursing should not use tequila. However, women who wouldn't mind nursing or becoming pregnant are encouraged to try it. Side effects may include dizziness, nausea, vomiting, incarceration, erotic lustfulness, loss of motor control, loss of clothing, loss of money, loss of virginity, delusions of grandeur, 
regular table dancing, headache, dehydration, dry mouth, and a desire to sing karaoke and play all night rounds of strip poker, truth or dare, and naked twister. Warning, the consumption of alcohol may make you think you're whispering when you're not. Is a major factor in dancing like a retard. May cause you to tell your friends over and over again that you're in love with them. Also may cause you to think you can sing. Alcohol may lead you to believe that ex-lovers are really dying for you to telephone them at four in the morning. Alcohol may make you think you can logically converse with members of the opposite sex without spitting. It may create the illusion that you are tougher, smarter, faster, and better looking than most people. And it may lead you to think people are laughing with you. Alcohol may cause pregnancy. And it also may be a major factor in getting your ass kicked. So what are you waiting for? Stop hiding and start living with tequila. From the Tom This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. explain to you what we're going to do. Fine. First of all, we work this show with three cameras. Three cameras? Yes, we have three cameras. We have one in the center over here, uh-huh. we have one on the side, oh, yeah. and one over here on this side. Oh, yeah. Now, all three of these cameras are immobile. They're where? They're fixed. I didn't know that. Yes, they're stationary cameras. Oh, oh, oh. They don't move. You said fixed, doesn't yeah. Well, they're fixed in place. I had my cat fixed a week ago. Oh, no, no, no. It's not the same thing at all. Oh, so, terrible Tom, we used to call it. So, so, so uh, what's important is... Oh, he was the terror of the neighborhood. Yeah. Yes. We had to have him fixed. Yeah, but I want you to pay attention. He to just me. sits in the bread box and stares at me now. Yeah, yeah. Now, it's very important that you we call him Sam Spade. All right. Now, just forget about your cat for a minute. I have to explain to you what we're going to do. Well, the important thing is just look at the camera where you see the red light. First of all, we'd like you to uh, tell us something about yourself. We know that you are a doctor. Yes, a DM. An MD. 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 <laughs> doctor, and uh, in medicine today, it seems to me that most men are specializing. Well, what's happened an awful lot to today in medicine is that we have found that uh, in medicine that many of the people, particularly the doctors, are specializing. Yes, well, I'm certainly glad you cleared that up for us. Uh, and, we were uh, talking about that old last Thursday down at the doctor place. The hospital. The hospital. The hospital. The hospital. And, uh, and how about you, doctor? What's yours? Uh, bourbon, if you have it. No. Well, doctor, I, I mean, in, uh, in what field do you operate, sir? Well, we don't operate in the field. We have a new building. No. Well, some of the older ladies complain of grass stains. Well, are you an obstetrics? No, we're down next to the elevator. No. Doctor, I, I mean, you do have a specialty. Someone comes to see you. Your name's on the door there. Oh, yes. And uh, it's yes. as your specialty. Right. I'm a surgeon. Surgeon. C-E-R-G-O-N. You're a general surgeon? Yes, I do. You uh, you do general surgery? Yes, I am. Well, which I was correct, of course, we realize you don't operate alone. No, we like to have a patient there. Uh, you go cutting right through the wood otherwise. No. Doctor, I, I mean that you do have a crew to assist you. Oh, if I see, I'm asking you these questions because I would imagine there must be thousands of young men around the country. Well, there must be. I can't get on a golf course. Yes, I know. But I, I meant watching our program tonight. And I'll bet you a lot of these young fellows are interested in medicine. Well, I hope so, uh, because we've got a lot of it we're trying to sell. No, no, no. They don't want to buy any medicine. We're overstocked in Oreo mass. No, doctor. 
fellows watching the show tonight might have an interest in a medical career. Oh, hallelujah. Well, we certainly need them. Well, we need them down at the doctor, but oh, it's the hospital. hospital. <laughs> I think these young fellows should realize you just don't get to be a doctor. No, sir, you've got to study. 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 Long, hard period of training. You certainly are. You have to study everything. Study is as study does. Isn't that the You truth? must read lots of pamphlets oh, and yes. hang around the drugstore. Oh, yes. Yes, uh, pharmaceuticals is a great study. It certainly can. Yeah. Doctor, you were very high in your class. No, I get high on weekends. No, 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 doctor. You, you graduated magna cum laude. Magna cum laude. Right, yes, right there. Number one in the class of over 400. 412. Yes, sir. I was class president and uh, captain of the lacrosse team. Is that so? And I was also the uh, valedictorian. The valedictorian. The valedictorian of your class. In your valedictory address, doctor, you included a motto. I certainly will. Now, I haven't heard this motto, but I understand this is the thought that you claim is responsible for having put you in this eminent position you now uh, enjoy in the medical world. Medical world is as medical world does. Well, that isn't the motto. No, 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 no. Well, I wonder if we could prevail upon you, doctor, to pass your motto on to our television audience at this time. You know it might help some of these young fellows who would like to follow in your footsteps. I'd be more than coil. Oh, you're wonderful. Thank you. I knew you were top four. Thank you. The motto that has helped me through life and through school, and it goes, how many times have we jumped over and said to ourselves, let's go back. These are the new things, and throw out, and we go back and say, how many, and that's not enough. We must feel in our hearts that the highway of life is paved, and we must walk the white line of life and know that each of us that has ever and gone back has known that the new, don't touch me, the newness we can feel, that as you lift it, lift it as you. Know not why, but why know not. These are the things that we worry. All of us, gather a whole big bunch of it and throw it against the wall sometimes. I'm sure there was something in there for almost everybody. Oh, yeah. Doctor, I want to thank you for taking some of your valuable time and spending it here with us tonight. Well, I feel that if I can bring, uh, and, and whether or not... Yes, well, I'm still working on throw it against the wall, so we'll work on that. But I, I did want to ask you one question before you left, Doctor. Uh, you're familiar with this great problem that's... Uh, uh, just covering the whole world, the population exposure. Oh, big problem, big, big problem. problem. And, and I, oh. I don't have the figures oh. readily at hand, but I understand that somewhere in the world there's a woman having a baby every couple of seconds. Yes, that's the problem. We've got to find her and stop her. All right, Doctor. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner. 